This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Probably going to start in Numbers chapter 27, so turn in your Bibles there. But we have for some time been ministering to you in family life class concerning the purpose of the family. We're Exactly, God's purpose, God's intent, God's call on the family unit. So now we're in a section where we're dealing with daughters, women, wives, and mothers. Okay, And my section is going to be raising a virtuous woman. And if you remember, if you've been with us, especially as Mr. Stinson left off, she was talking about the family unit. And, you know, as far as the family unit goes, that we have different family units nowadays, and uh, sometimes we get things out of order. Hallelujah. Sometimes we get things out of order. Sometimes we have fathers before we have men. Amen. And sometimes we have mothers before we have wives. And that's out of order. Again, as she mentioned, this is not for condemnation's sake. This is presenting before you the fullness of the gospel. See, having now been redeemed, now our life should line up with God's standard. Now, what you were before that is whatever you were before that. But now we want to get it right. Okay? And so I believe that part of it is what is coming out of our households. Well, I'm sorry. All of it is. What's coming out of our house? What's coming out of our households? Now, I want to make sure that you understand this. We're ministering to believers. This is for believers. You have to say that sometimes because people try to take what we say in the church and then apply it to those who are under uh, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it just won't work. And so this is for believers. And as believers, you need to understand this. You cannot take care of anybody else's responsibility except yours. Do you hear me? Stop trying to make somebody else right. Be right. No, you didn't hear me on that one, did you? You don't understand. Stop trying to regulate somebody else's life. Glory to your name. You know, it makes me want to go down a a road I don't want to go. You know, you married them. (laughs) Now you want to regulate them. Uh, Just do your role. Play your role. You be on purpose. You hear me? You only have control over your responsibility. And I want to let you know this. You have to be on purpose. And your family won't be on purpose as long as you're not on purpose. Know this. Well, God, get them right. When God is saying, I've been trying to get you right. And as long as you're not right, this family won't be right. Now, I want to say this because as I talk about this, you know, this is not just for those who have daughters. It's not just for those who are women. It's for everybody. Uh, we're going to get to that point where we're going to see everybody plays a role. And making sure that we have virtuous women among us. Now, I do want to say this. Because a lot of times we, I say we, I mean humankind, human nature is to always pass blame. And we want to say if, say you're a female and you're not producing the fruit of a virtuous woman, you want to blame mom and daddy. But as I say, the family won't be right as long as you're not right. And there's responsibility for everybody. See, 
you have to be on purpose. <laughs> the example set at home will always be the greatest teacher. Will always be the greatest teacher. See, because I can sit down at, at the table and, and tell my people be this and my people be that. But as soon as I get up and be something different, everything I said just went out the other ear. And they're going to gravitate to what I have been. Okay? And teaching begins early. That's the statement. I'm not saying teaching should begin early. Teaching does begin early. Whether you know it or not. When you're refusing to teach, you're teaching. When you're not instructing, you're teaching. Teaching does start early. And we're going to come back to the statement, I do believe, later on in the teaching. But good teaching is teaching with God's purpose in mind and heart. See, there are different levels of teaching. Now, te- there's teaching, and teaching is going to take place. <laughs> do you hear me? You understand me on that? Teaching is going to take place. You know, when your child is old and they do the things that you don't want them to do and you never thought you taught, you were teaching while you were not teaching. So, so there are different levels of teaching. See, that's sorry teaching. Good teaching is teaching with God's purpose in mind and heart. But the best teaching is teaching with God's purpose in mind and heart, and it is started early. That's the best teaching. So you're teaching with purpose, and you started early. And I want to I make sure you understand me in this. We may be behind the eight ball. And you may not be able to produce the best teaching because you didn't start early. But get on a good teaching bit. Get there. First acknowledge and understand that you've got to be a parent. If you're a parent. You've got to be. And, and, and again, I, we'll talk about these things later on. But you know, a virtuous woman is impacted by the man around them as well. And, and so, you, again, that's why I say, you man, you have to be on your purpose. I'm going to deal with you younger men, with sisters. You know, how do you treat other women? Probably how you treat your sister. But all that, see, you have to play your role. You may be behind, but you need to get it together. And you're the first one upset when somebody mistreats your sister, but you treat other women just like that. So it may be too late to get the best teaching, but let's get on to good teaching. And worry about what's left behind. Now, let's get started with this. Numbers chapter 27. Now, just because you have an example at home, and we'll get to this later on. I I don't want to get to that. This is where I was about to hit, but I don't want to get to that now. Just because you have a good example at home doesn't mean that the one who is supposed to be learning is going to take that example and run with it. Again, I don't want to go there. Not yet. All right, so, so I want you to know that you will answer for your own sin. So all this blame game, I'm this way because, well, it's very possible you had a good teacher, but you were a bad student. And even if you had a bad teacher and were a good student, you still will have to answer for why you did not respond when God said, it's time to respond. But I don't want to go there right now. You know, Numbers chapter 27. Numbers chapter 27. We're going to start at verse number 1. Then came 
the daughters of, now I want to say this. <laughs> I'm going to Americanize and Texanize these names. And no offense to them that are named, but we'll be all right. Then came the daughters of Zelophehad, the son of Hefer, the son of Gilead, the son of Machir, the son of Manasseh, of the families of Manasseh, the son of Joseph. And these are the names of his daughters, Malia, Noia, Hagalia, Milkia, and Terzia. So he had five daughters, this man Zelophehad, of Manasseh, five daughters. So these daughters came. Verse 2, and they stood before Moses and before Eleazar the priest and before the princes and all the congregation by the door of the tabernacle of the congregation saying, our father died in the wilderness and he was not in the company of them that gathered themselves together against the Lord in the company of Korah, but died in his own sin and had no sons. So you see what they're saying. They're coming to Moses and they're saying, our father, we're five daughters. Five sisters, daughters of Zelophehad. And he died. But he didn't die in the rebellion. The rebellion of Korah. So, so he, didn't, he, he, he didn't die that uncommon death that they all died. He died of his own old age, basically. Okay? And he had no sons. We're the only children of Zelophehad. Verse 4. They said, why should the name of our father be done away from among his family? Because he has no son. Give unto us, therefore, possession among the brethren of our father. I want to stop right there. I like that. I really like that. Let me get, to, get you to where I'm, I am. I want you to remember, I want you to know this, that this is late in Moses' ministry. But I want you to remember early in Moses' ministry. When he was sitting, judging all the people. His father-in-law, Jethro, came to him and said, Now, what are you doing, Moses? Because he saw a long line of people. And he saw one man doing all the judgment. He said, Moses, you're going to wear these people out. They're going to get frustrated. And you're going to get frustrated because you don't want to do this. Let me give you some counsel. So he said, Moses, what you need to do is you need to appoint men. Men that you can trust. Men who are in line with God. And you need to appoint, I believe he said, you need to have captains of fifties, captains of hundreds, captains of thousands, and then you're over the whole court. We'll call it their, their court system. So Moses set up a court system early on in his ministry. And the, the idea was that the small matters, they'll take care of. And if the small matters the captain of fifties can't take care of, then they'll take them up to the ones over hundreds. And if they can't take care of it, then they'll take them up over the people over a thousand. And if it's real hard, they'll come to you. So these daughters are coming to Moses, which means they have a legal case on their hands. And they've gone through the court system. And now it's time for the Supreme Court. And... I, in my imagination, said, now, why was this a hard thing for the lower courts? Think about it. 
Why was this a hard thing for the Lord, of course? Well, well, if you think about it, those of you who know some scriptures, well, it kind of makes sense. Because there are several practices that the nation of Israel had. Remember when a man would marry, have no children, and would die, then the widow would be given to the brother so that seed, more importantly a son, would be born. So that was their custom. Okay? Right? Uh, then there were customs that they had, and these are laws given by God. They had customs where if a man had sold, or a family had sold their, I'll call it their birthright, then in order to redeem it, another family member, a male, would have to redeem it. So this is their practice. So you see how it's all concentrated on the male. And then they had the law of inheritance already in place. And it said, a man would pass on his inheritance to his eldest son. So here they are, like, now, now wait a minute. Our daddy passed on to us some kind of virtue. And he wasn't caught up with rebelling against God. And now you want to say, you're going to take his name out because he had daughters. And they said, we got a good case. And what I like about this also is that Moses was stumped. Moses was like, you know what? I can't answer this. So you know what I got to do? Again, I like, these ladies are bold. And these ladies are in tune with something that these men aren't in tune with. Verse 4 again. This is them. This is them making their case. Why should the name of our father be done away from among his family? Because he hath no son. Listen to what they're saying. This is what we want. Give unto us, therefore, possession among the brethren of our father. Woo! That's straight up talk right there. And, and in my mind, this is the, uh, what is it, the, uh, importunity? They're not going to be denied. They're like, no, 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 you're going to have to go to God about this, because we're not going to settle for anything less. See, because in my mind, they're more, I said it before, they're more in tune with God than the brothers. And Moses brought their cause before the Lord. Why did he bring it? Because I can't answer it. I'm stumped, God. What's the answer here? And the Lord speaking to Moses, saying, The daughters of Zelophehad speak right. Thou shalt surely give them a possession of an inheritance among their father's brethren. And thou shalt cause the inheritance of their father to pass unto them. And thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. See, because God said, I'm, We're going to straighten some things out, Moses. Y'all shouldn't have been stumped with this, but I'm going to help you out. I love this. And this is one of those passages of scriptures that people don't go to. Because they're like, why is it here? But I believe I know why it's here. The daughters of Zelophehad speak right. Thou shalt surely give them a possession of an inheritance among their father's brethren. And thou shalt cause the inheritance of their father to pass unto them. And thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a man die and have no son then ye shall cause his inheritance 
to pass unto his daughter. And if he have no daughter, then you shall give his inheritance to his brother. And if he have no brother, then you shall give his inheritance unto his father's brother. And if his father have no brother, then you shall give his inheritance unto his kinsmen that is next to him of his family, and he shall possess it. And it shall be unto the children of Israel a statute of judgment as the Lord commanded Moses. These ladies are bold. But they were confident in what God was going to say. They were confident that we're with God in this situation. Which means, in my mind, their father, even though he had no sons, deposited a lot in them. He wasn't trying for a sixth child, evidently. <laughs> the father's enough, right? I, I, get, I, get, I understand God. <laughs> I won't have a son, but I have these daughters. And I know you. And I believe he was in tune with God's purpose for the family. He says, though I have no sons, he will bless me with these daughters. And what I have to give, I'm going to give to who I have. Male or female. And they thought that that which their father deposited in them was worthy to remain in the earth. A father and his legacy is not left to the son alone. It's not left to the son alone. Now, I say a father and his legacy. Why am I dealing with the father? Well, remember this, okay? Family is father's house. And I get this from the Bible. I get this from the Scripture. I get this from God testifying of Abraham, for I know him. I know that he will command his children and his household. Didn't say Sarah's children. Didn't say Sarah's household. He said family is father's house. And I love Joshua. Joshua in another place says, now choose you whom you're going to serve. But as for me and my house, see, father is supposed to pass on his legacy because family is father's house. And the legacy that the father is to leave, he is not to leave to his son alone. Females are no less important to God than males in God's desire to fill the earth with a knowledge of him. You see, that's why they're bold. It's like, hey, we can pass something on. We got something to offer. So females are no less important to God than males in God's desire to fill the earth with the knowledge of Him. And see, this is... We'll get to it. Yeah, we will get to it. But they're already in the New Testament. They're already in First Peter. Where Peter talks to the husbands in First Peter chapter 3. And, and say, deal with your wife according to knowledge. Because you need to remember that you're heirs together. You're heirs together. You're just not the heir alone, man. But you, with your wife, are heirs together of the grace of life. See, the daughters of the Lophahad are already in the New Testament. Amen. And not only that, but it's already written in the Old Testament. Joel the prophet prophesied by the Spirit of God. And he said, and it shall come to pass in those days. Huh, hallelujah. Peter said in the last days. But it shall come to pass in the New Testament days, under the New Covenant, that I will pour, says my God, my Spirit upon all flesh. 
And he goes on to explain what all flesh is. Because sometimes we can be slow. Sometimes we can miss God when he's as plain as day. He says, I'm going to pour my spirit out upon all flesh. And he says, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. See, that what I'm doing, I'm not just doing with a man. I'm doing with a female as well. See, because, again, this is why I say we're kind of slow. When he says, I'll pour it out upon all flesh, he wasn't talking about cats and dogs, fish and birds. He says, I'm talking about all mankind. I'm talking young and old, rich and poor, male and female. But then the question does come up. And it's a decent question. It's all right. God has an answer for you. But, but if there was a son, why would the inheritance go to the son first? Okay. I'm going to try to break it down into four points. First of all, point number one is that God, throughout the generations, deals with seed. And we've ministered on these things before, but seed comes from the man and his focus is on the man when he talks about seed. So seed points us to the man. So it puts responsibility of the home and the family because family is father's house. On the male because the seed is supplied by the male. I want you to turn to Galatians chapter 3. that good kind of silence this morning. I believe you're learning some things. Galatians chapter 3. Because I want you to understand this. If there's going to be change in your life, your mind first has to be changed. And so we've got to do work on your mind so we can put everything in its proper place in the family. Galatians chapter 3. So, so God deals with the seed from generation to generation in the scriptures. And point number two, but just not any seed, he deals with Abraham's seed. Galatians 3 and 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. Stop right there. So God deals with seed throughout the scriptures from generation to generation. But not just any seed. He deals with Abraham's seed. Alright? The seed of Abraham was the seed to receive the promise. And then, point number three, not just any seed of Abraham, because we have the seeds of Abraham fighting today. Ishmael versus Isaac. So, let's drill down even further. Keep reading verse 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. So point number three is God is dealing with the seed who is the Christ. Who is, now we know, looking back, male. So God deals with seed. Puts responsibility to the family on the father. 
but not just with any, any seed, Abraham's seed. And not just all Abraham's seed, he's dealing with the seed who is the Christ. And then point number four, look at Colossians chapter 1. Just a few books over. Colossians chapter 1. So this is about the Christ. Now Colossians chapter 1 verse 16. Well, go down to verse 15. We're talking about Christ. Who is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of every creature. So now we're kind of understanding the law of inheritance. See, he's the firstborn. And let me tell you about this firstborn. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. So here's my, this is my fourth point. Yeah, my fourth point. So seed, Abraham's seed, the seed, and this seed is the son and all things rightfully belong to him. And remember, the question is, if Zelophehad had, had had a son, why would the son have gained the inheritance? Because the law is there to point us to Christ. And the law of inheritance causes us to look for the firstborn. A son. Who rightfully has the fullness of the inheritance. Because all things were made by him and for him. Again, this is why Jesus had to tell the Pharisees, search the scriptures. In them you think you have life, but they are testifying about me. How do you miss me? How do you not understand I am the one that the Bible has been pointing to up until this point in time? So in the law, God ministers to them of Christ. But these women understood that does not move the women to the side and out of the way, as some people think. I'm telling you, I, I, that's why I, I love that example of the daughters of Zelophehad. They were in touch. <laughs> they were in touch. We know the laws point to Christ, but that doesn't mean that we don't have a place in your redemption plan. See, I think I put this in the notes. This is it. You need to write this in. God places this in the Holy Scriptures. And it helps to straighten out the thinking concerning the females of the home. They are to represent and carry on the legacy of the Father. Just as much as any son is. So he puts this in the Scriptures to straighten out our thinking. We have cults who swear that they are in tune with God, but have relegated the woman to very, how can I say it? They don't mean anything. They should be seen and not heard. 
And in some cases, they shouldn't even be seen at all. This is why it kind of irritates me when I hear brothers in Christ talk about women as though their only purpose is to raise children or, or to have children be born to them. You're, you're off. You're wrong. They're important in God's redemption plan. And I love it because if you ever just read through the scriptures, it seems like it's placed here, there in Numbers chapter 27, and he just moves on. It's like, where did this come from? It's because we need to straighten some things out. Because sometimes we are slow and we miss God. Oh, I'm sorry. Turn back to Galatians chapter 3. This is what I want you to see. Galatians chapter 3. Turn there. Because we read verse 16. Verse 16 again. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed which is Christ. But verse 17 says, And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul, that it should make the promise of none effect. Again, I don't know if you read that like I read it, but that gets me, that gets my juices flowing. Especially when I think of the daughters of Zelophehad. Because of this. Because they're dealing in a time of the law. But they are recognizing that the law came after the promise was made. And those, the law says that there's a law of inheritance. You can't, that's not going to disannul the promise God made. And that promise is not just for males. That promise is for males and females together. So they were in a promise while Moses was stuck in the law. That's why I love that example. See, they were in the New Testament already. They're like, the law is not going to limit us because there's a promise that's greater than the law. So straighten out your thinking, Moses. And all you of the court. We've heard from God. Now you need to hear from God. And God confirmed what they had to give. Love it. There's a great virtue with these women. <laughs> with these daughters. You may not have seen it before, but now you see it. In my mind, these are virtuous women. Now, our subject... Well, we'll get to it. Turn to Proverbs chapter 31. We may or may not get to it. Our subject is raising virtuous women. Again, we need to get those... We get, need to get our minds right as it concerns... Females in our home. All right? They're not God. It's not a case of God loves them too. <laughs> Amen. Ah, glory to your name. No, that's not the case at all. It's not the case that, hey, if I got a son and a daughter, I need to spend the effort on my son and hope my daughter catches some of it. Hallelujah. But every family member has a role in raising a virtuous woman. Again, I, wanna, I said this earlier, and I didn't want to jump ahead of myself, but teachers teach. Students follow. Now, and this is my kick, all right? Whenever I hear teaching, I always think also a student. Because teaching means nothing if the student won't catch it. It won't mean anything at all. Wow. There's responsibility for the teacher and there is responsibility for the instructed. And remember this. Good students 
make way for good teachers. You know, I, I find it funny because, you know, in, in athletics, especially in this country, athletics are big. But there's always, uh, down here, San Antonio Spurs, right? you got a coach at the San Antonio Spurs, Greg Popovich, right? He's not doing so, so good right now, is he? I, I'm sorry, San Antonio Spurs fans, but he's not doing too good right now, is he? But, but when he had Tim Duncan and, and David Robinson, he sure was doing good. When he had Kawhi Leonard, see, these are superstars, those of you who don't know. These are good basketball players. When he had them, he sure was looking good. He was a great coach then, wasn't he? But, you know, and he gets the credit because he has some good students. You see, as soon as those good students are gone, he don't look so good, does he? So, so the same in the home. So, so you can have, <laughs> you can be, oh, you can be a good teacher, but have bad students, and you're not seen as a good teacher. Don't let that deter you, good teachers. You keep teaching. You go to God because they make you look bad. <laughs> but again, I want to make sure you understand this. You will answer for your own. Again, you won't go before the throne and say, My Lord, if it had not been for Daddy doing this, if it had not been for Mommy doing this, you need to punish them. It's like, no, no, no. Why didn't you get it right? You had ears to hear. You had a heart to receive. You could have obeyed. But you refused. You have to answer for it. <laughs> so you can be a good teacher and have a bad student. Don't get disheartened behind that. They will have to answer for themselves. <laughs> And good teachers make way for good students. And I want to make sure you understand this. See, some of you in this ministry, you don't know what you have in your home. You have good teachers. If you would just submit and humble yourself, you would be good yourself. You would be a good student. But we have people who are so comfortable in their skin, thinking they got there because of themselves and not because of what somebody else laid before them. And they think they can do their own thing. Think that they're smarter than mama. Think that they're smarter than daddy. Think they're smarter than uncle. Think they're smarter than the minister. Think they're smarter than their pastor. You got good teachers in your home. And I'm going to tell you, there are some people on the outside looking at you, seeing your ignorance of rebelling against your good teacher and saying what kind of fool you are. Is that not what Jesus said when he was talking about Israel and how he wanted to gather them in like a, 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 like a mother hen gathers in her chicks. And, and it, wasn't he saying something to the extent that, man, if Solomon Gomorrah had seen the things that you've seen, they're looking at you right now saying, what kind of fools you are. If we had that example, we would have repented a long time ago. We would have got it right. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm talking about children. I'm now talking about the adults. You don't know the goodness you have in this ministry. Some of you old people, you know, you are in a ministry where the Spirit of God is moving mightily, speaking to your life. And you think you come just to any church service, but God is in the midst. And there are people who have gone on before looking at us right now saying, they are wasting. 
that richness that they have among themselves. See, because this ministry can be good teaching. But if you don't take the teaching and apply it, we look bad because we got bad students. I'm sorry. Let me get back. Every family member. <laughs> See, student, you have to understand, I'm talking to you as well as those who are teaching you. You have a responsibility. God is speaking to you. I love how God speaks in the scriptures. Because he'll speak to the parents, then he'll speak to the children. So I got a word for you old people, I got a word for you young people. Everybody has a responsibility. As soon as he says, fathers, get it right, he says, children, obey. Because every family member has a role in raising a virtuous woman. Now I'm going to make this statement. This is going to sound kind of funny. But it's not intended to be funny. Only daughters can become virtuous women. Only daughters. Sons can't become virtuous women. This is a distinction reserved for the female alone. Amen. It's reserved for the female alone. I just want you to know that there are some things that men just can't be. While we got women trying to be men, trying to compete with men, God has left a distinction that belongs to the female alone and the male can't touch it. You don't see, well, I hope we don't see males trying to go over, I want to be a virtuous woman. We don't see stuff like that. Because God has reserved a special place for his female. And that is to be a virtuous woman. And again, the male can't touch it. This belongs to you alone. See, the virtuous woman knows that there's a difference between males and females and is all right with the difference. It's all right with the difference. I'm not trying to compete with the opposite sex. There's a reason they're the opposite sex. Because there are positions intended for the male. Let the male have his position. There are positions intended for the female. Let the female have her position. See, you don't see it maybe this way, but you know, the daughters of Zelopah had mentioned the rebellion of Korah. And you know what Moses said to Korah and his gang? God gave you your position. God gave you your position. Why are you trying to move in on somebody else's position? You are spitting in the face of God. You're saying what you gave me, God, is not good enough for me. You made a mistake, God. You did wrong. See, we don't see it that way when we try to force ourselves into, I want to be seen just as much as the opposite sex is seen. I'm talking about in the church. Fighting for things we ought not fight for. See, because I want to let you know, huh, a person's gift makes room for them. <laughs> you see, because I, 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 if I said a man's gift, then you wouldn't understand mankind. So a person's gift is going to make room for them. Just stay your course. Stay in your position. And if your light is to shine, God will let your light shine. Think about all the people who were faithful to God whose names are written in scriptures. But these daughters have their names written. Took time out for a roll call. 
Females and males are different, and there's no problem in being different. Enjoy being who you are. Enjoy it. I know Minister Smithson had touched on this, and, and you know, some, it's a shame we have to go here, but we have to go here because of the nation we live in. And there's a thing going on now about gender identity. And I don't know if they call it this, but I call it this. It's called gender confusion. Is it called that? Because I don't know. It's not called that? Well, I call it gender confusion. It's confusion. And here's the thing about it. And I want to make sure. I don't know where we are. I can never assume that everybody who comes in here has got it all together. See, because what's out in the world is intended to touch you. And so we'll get people in here who have been touched with the polluted hands of this world. And I want to minister to you right now. If you're confused concerning gender. No, I'm not confused. Yeah, you're confused. And I want to let you know why you're confused. Because if you're listening to this, if you're in this room and you're struggling with your thoughts about gender, you will struggle because you come in the house of God and it just won't sit right. And so we may not see it on the outside, but there's a struggle on the inside. And that's that's why I call it gender confusion. Because, and I want you to know where this confusion comes from. God's not the author of it. This gender confusion comes from wrong influences. And what the enemy does, we understand this about the enemy. The enemy plays mind games with you. And what he does is he plants thoughts. And I want you to understand, he doesn't plant thoughts from people you don't know. He plants thoughts from people you know. He plants thoughts into your mind from those who have influence with you. And they don't know God. But they seem to be good people. They seem to be moral people. They seem to be better than the average person. But they're without Christ. And they, in their goodness, plant a seed in your mind. And what it is intended to do, it is of the enemy. It's intended to come from a good piece of meat. So that you will be able to digest it and think on it. And all of a sudden you're looking around and saying, you know what, those people aren't that bad. And what's wrong with that after all? Who else are they hurting? But I want you to understand this. This is why you're confused when you come in here. You're wonderfully. You're fearfully made. You're a work of art. A work of the hands of God. But here's, about, here's the thing about your wonderful artwork that you are. As beautiful as God made you, He gave you your own free will. And the enemy knows this. So he will plant a seed with a thought. That is contrary to the will of God. And when you have a thought that you're taking, see, thoughts will come. But when you have a thought that you're taking, and it's contrary to the will of God who wonderfully and fearfully made you and created you, there's where the confusion comes from. See, there's a check on the inside of you that mama or daddy, uncle, somebody, grandmama, granddaddy put in you that's saying, something's just not right. And you can't explain it. It's because you're the work of God with a thought in your mind that's trying to infiltrate itself into your will that's contrary to the maker's desire. But God is not the author of confusion. Here's here's where it is. Thy word is a lamp unto our feet. A light Unto our path. In other words, when I'm confused, see, in the darkness I'm confused. I don't know where to go. I don't know what the next step is. There is a God who brings light. 
that my confusion might stray away. See, and the more you resist the light of God's word, the more unsettled and the more confused you're going to be. Take that to the bank. Now, here's the only thing. Some people live so long in such a bad way, they learn to live being unsettled. They learn to live being confused. They walk, they walk around comfortable being dazed and confused. But God has put a check with you right now because it's not too late. But the more you submit, I, I, let me tell you, this is not just about gender confusion. It's about anything. Anybody who's walking contrary to the word of God, anybody who's allowing a thought to infiltrate their will will have confusion in the church. But you're in the church because you want to get it right with God. And his word is a lamp. It is a light. Submit yourself to his word and the confusion will go away. The unsettling will go away. This is what Paul told them in the Corinthian church. He says, yeah, I made you a little unsettled when I told you about your sin. But because you had accepted that sin, it was leaving you confused. But after I ministered to you and you responded, look how clear you are now. Look how right you are now. Hallelujah. Because the more you submit yourself to the word of God, the more at peace you will be. And I'm out of time. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.com.